Hi, friends. Welcome back to Introverted Improvisers, an online audio-based improv community. I'm your host, Camila, here with another Spotlight episode. In these Spotlight series, I like to highlight where improv shows up in the lives of others. And this week's improviser is Sydney Starr. This week's interview is extra special because one of my dear improv friends, Rashid, gets to interview another dear improv friend, Sid. I love having the idea of multiple voices here at Introverted Improvisers, but I also couldn't pass up the opportunity in this spotlight to give Sid my own shoutouts before handing the interview off. I know, I'm a blabbermouth. What I'd like to say about my personal connection to Sid is that she's an outstanding performer in every sense of the word. And while you can't see on this podcast the unique and interesting way she's able to move around on stage, you can certainly hear her emotion carry through all her audioprov with this incredibly calming, sometimes sultry voice. There's a very special feeling improvising with the way she holds tension, silence, and gives incredibly strong offers. I would call her improv daring, dramatic, and even brave. Just listen to the improv bite on a previous episode of Secret in Your Pocket, and she stunned listeners and her partner with a huge offer early in that scene. Frankly, she does this often. I get the impression she sees situations incredibly uniquely, and this skill is a total joy to experience within a scene. I always admire the way Sid is unafraid to bring heart, want, and intimacy to a scene, skirting the humor until it bubbles up and pops off the stage. Or airways. Airwaves? What are these? Those types of moments are kind of the epitome of improv gold, in my opinion. Speaking of intimacy, Sid was my first audio improv kiss. And while you might think that sounds silly or even weird, like, what is that? How do you, what does that sound or feel like? I can tell you that because it was completely warranted and not a throwaway moment, she lured me in completely and it was such a strange sensation to be 100% present, feel like it was necessary and real, and resulted in real emotions that I just flowed with. And that might be a testament to the topic at hand today, by the way. Finally, as serious as Sid's improv can be, she has the most infectious damn laugh I've ever heard, and I should probably just put a bunch of clips of it together for anyone needing some cheer on a glum day. All right, all right, all right. I can't wait for you to hear more about her while Rashid gets to take it away. Hey, everyone. Rashid here from Live Clickbait. Here to interview Sid on her experience and practice of hypnosis. Now, Sid and I go back a ways. We were both at uh, Pan Theater. She's also taught me a few things with dojos and classes. But And I jumped to this opportunity to um, interview her because I've always found her a very interesting person. But before we get to that, here's a small picture of Sid Starr. She's considered herself a performing artist since the age of five with a background in acting and physical theater, which includes masks and puppetry. She's got over a decade of improv experience with plenty of teaching under her belt. She currently directs a house troupe and teaches level two at Leela in San Francisco and speaks very highly of what is called full spectrum improvisation which activates an improviser's full physical and emotional range so much that Sid calls it meditation adjacent. In addition to her very kinesthetic interests, in her words, she says she loves to play with the brain, which is why we're talking about hypnosis today. In her everyday life, she has an 11-year-old rescue dog named Garnet, 
her husband collects and repairs pinball machines. She's great at mini golf and she's rocking some fabulous hair, which after some debate, we decided is magenta colored. And now introducing Sydney star. All right. All right. Hey Hi. A uh, long time. No see. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sid, I want to ask how you're doing today. How are you doing? You you okay? Um, uh, are you worried about me? Do I like I am distressed? not worried at all. Not at all. <laughs> I I feel like um whenever I talk to anyone, I I always start with how you doing. So how you yeah. doing? How Check how out. you doing? How you doing is neutral. Are you okay? It's like what's wrong with my face? <laughs> so uh let's start with the five slashes. What are your five slashes? Um, gosh, there are, there are so many things that I do that are not necessarily identity things. This is a really interesting question. I like that. I would say, um, I'm a performing artist. I'm an educator. I'm a lover. I'm a sensation seeker. And I'm a a feelings nerd performing artist educator lover sensation seeker and feelings nerd what what is a sensation what exactly do you mean by sensation seeker that uh that i have a strong drive for novelty and excitement and uh deliciousness and uh joy and fun so when when you say that some of these are are you talking about like like sensationalism or your senses just all of the above just Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean like the five senses and like um you know, emotional stimulation, intellectual stimulation. Do you have certain go-tos for these for these things or just like anything that that touches your fancy? Uh, I mean, yeah, of course, a lot of it is iterative. My, uh, a recent obsession of mine is urban staircase walks. I've been trying to find a lot of stairs and walk up them and, you know, just like pay attention to my body and take inventory of how my muscles are doing while I do that. You know, it's, it's just anything new and different and like physical, you know, I'm, I'm very kinesthetic and I feel like the the emotional life and the intellectual life is also a kinesthetic thing for me. So I'd like to differentiate then between the sensation seeker and the feelings nerd. Is this, is this like a internal, like emotional thing or? Well, yeah, I mean, my own feelings are one of the most interesting things in the entire universe but the other thing most interesting thing is other people's feelings you know i teach acting uh-huh. i teach well, i teach improv which uh i don't really differentiate there especially because the class that i teach the most often is about people getting in touch with their feelings and identifying feelings and connecting with their partner identifying their partner's feelings there's a lot of thoughts to be had about about that you know how does how does emotion work 
everybody's got their own needs. Everybody's got their own tendencies. Um, just that sort of lantern consciousness, awareness of the group reality, as well as a specific consciousness, uh, uh, flashlight consciousness type focus on everyone as an individual simultaneously is um, is a skill that is, you know, cultivated in that environment, of course, but like extends out into the rest of life. So, Sid, mm-hmm. I, I need to I need to jump right into this thing that we are here for. the The thing that brought you to this is uh, hypnosis. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When you guys asked me to do the interview, uh, and you said what what is an improv adjacent cool thing that you can talk about? I said, how about hypnosis? Uh, define hypnosis. Hypnosis is a state of focused concentration or rather the absence of distraction that allows um, a hypnotist, which can be the, there's self-hypnosis exists as well, you know, could be the person who is being hypnotized as well. It allows them to access their unconscious mind. And as such, they will be more suggestible and will be able to do things that their conscious mind can't necessarily do. What got you into hypnosis? I, I was pretty much discovered <laughs> like a star is born. Uh, I was teaching an improv class, a level one improv class. And at the end of the six weeks, one of the students came up to me and said, uh, this is kind of a risk for me to say, but I do this really cool thing that I think that you'll be really into. And, you know, he is still my friend and (laughs) I will forever be grateful for his wonderful hotspot. (laughs) Gave me this awesome part of my life that at the time I didn't realize that I had already been doing forever. When I was a kid, my parents were really serious about bedtime. And so I had a lot of time just laying in bed by myself, knowing that I'd get in trouble if I turned on the radio or whatever. And so I did all kinds of cool stuff to my brain, cool stuff, you know, brain body. I could stop my heartbeat at one point. I haven't practiced that in a long time. Um, Stopping your heartbeat. mm -hmm. It hurts. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, you know, being being an actor, acting is basically trance in a lot of ways. Um, being interested in transformation and and being fully present in a mode that isn't your regular self is so close. Uh, when this when this person came up and was like, oh, you know, it seemed <laughs> like, like oh, I don't want to say anything. Like, what was what was it about it that that was so? Um, scary for them to to talk to you about hypnosis. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of scary for me to talk about too, actually, because um, recreational hypnosis, which of course is different than stage hypnosis, which is about putting on a good show and may or may not be real hypnosis in terms of whether the um, hypnotized people are just playing along or whatever. There's a lot of arguments about that. Um, I'm starting to digress. Uh, And it's not 
uh, it's not clinical hypnosis, which is about, you know, helping people solve a specific problem, such as wanting to quit smoking or lose weight. Um, the recreational hypnosis world is really closely tied into an eroticness. Um, so, you know, I am absolutely not tuned into what it is to have a hypnosis fetish. So there are a lot of people who are turned on by it and that's why they do it. And then there's a lot of people who, you know, didn't come to it by, because they're turned on by it, but because it's fun to play with brains. Okay. So, um, the, you were, you were in class with the person, they suggested that you would be interested in, in hypnosis. What was the next step? Um, we talked about it and I asked all the questions that you would expect somebody who didn't know it was real to ask. <laughs> um, yeah. Is, is it real? Okay. What is it then? Am I going to do something that I didn't want to do? Am I going to turn into the, um, you know, some brainwashed zombie who is going to leave the house naked because I was instructed to. Um, and uh, you know, he had been doing this for many years at this point and, and was very good at answering all those questions saying like, no, it doesn't work like that. Your brain is going to take care of yourself. The, uh, the sensation of trance itself feels really good. So even if you don't end up doing anything that involves a suggestion, it's still fun to do that. I knew that already through all of the guided meditations that everybody does with young theater students where you're walking through a forest and picturing all the trees and stuff. <laughs> I always really love that. And so like, I was pretty scared, a little bit scared for a little while. And, and, um, you know, a couple days or weeks later we tried it and, um, I forgot the name of fish <laughs> and, and I was hooked. You, f you forgot the name of fish. Yeah. That, um, it's called memory play when you manipulate someone's memory when, uh, by hypnotizing them. Okay. And so like the first suggestion that worked on me was he said, you're going to forget the name of every animal. Uh, and then he said, do you have any pets? And my brain went, uh, I have a dog. Okay, no, I can't say that one because I remembered it. I also have a parrot. Nope, okay, can't say that one because I remembered it. But what about the little guys in the box of water? <laughs> and um, yeah, I think that's pretty typical for a first time. Like you get better at taking suggestions as you have more practice, just like anything else. And how are you practicing hypnosis now? I did get a certification to the National Guild of Hypnotists, and that's a 100-hour class. Um, that is for clinical hypnosis. There is actually no education, formal classes, other than like little one-off stuff for recreational hypnosis, because like recreational it's like i was gonna ask if you have a uh oh, hypnotizing yeah, like a, guild or guild a, or yeah like a practice group or something i'm hoping to start one after we are all safe to 
get back together or I'm hoping that someone else starts one so that I can go to it. Can you walk us through what a session looks like? Yeah. Um, So if you want to hypnotize somebody and they also want that, uh, the first thing you do, uh, hypnosis jargon for this would be pre-talk. You talk about what you want to do, where the limits are, where the boundaries are. When you're playing with someone's brain, you need a lot of consent and um, talking about your expectations and what you want and kind of make a plan with the other person, get to know them. Uh, And once you figured out what you're going to do, then the first part of the actual hypnosis is the induction. So you're putting the person into trance. And there's lots of ways to do that. Some are visual, such as waving a pocket watch in front of a person and making their eyes tired so their eyes close. Um, Some are kinesthetic and touch their body. Auditory, just you're giving them verbal instructions. And once they're in trance, you probably want to deepen that trance and um, sort of solidify it. So you would give them some deepeners, which is kind of like an induction, just telling them to go deeper into trance or various different ways of doing that, um, either verbally or non-verbally. And then um, then you do whatever you want to do while they're in trance. So maybe that's a guided journey, a story, or just tell them, uh, a story that they're experiencing, and that might come with some hallucinations as and sensations, um, or maybe you're making them do something uh, such as quack like a duck every time that you say the <laughs> word yes. And um, in that case, you give them the suggestion, and uh, then you would bring them out of trance. That's called awakener, which is usually pretty quick. You. Um, the most common one is to count to one, to count to three or five. And uh, when when I get up to five, you'll be fully awake, feeling fantastic, ready to rock, right? And then uh, you go about your day and test it out and see if it worked. And if it doesn't, you start over. Has your hypnosis practice influenced your improv? I think the the main way that it's influenced my improv is that like I'm giving myself more permission to go deeper into an altered state while doing improv. How how so? Like being really deeply fully in whatever it is. You know, less less about acting and more about being the idea of being in a flow state when you're on stage you know you get off stage after having done a show and you don't remember what anything that you just did on stage that was Mm. a trance so much of performing is about trance the um viola spolin theater games a lot of them are just about putting the actors in a trance and giving them suggestions. Um, The one that comes to mind is taste and smell, where you're supposed to taste the pizza with your feet. And, um, and, you know, that's, that's a trance state, no motion. That's, that's basically a trance state. It's a little, little trance state where you're 
view of the world is a little bit different. There's also an element of just having to be fully present in the moment. If you're the subject, if you're the hypnotee, you are only thinking about what's happening to you in that moment. And that's a magical thing for for actors to be able to experience and get to, you know, put that in their motor memory. And if you're hypnotizing somebody, there's so much that you have to pay attention to, exactly like an improv scene. You're reading the person's signals, you're listening to their words, if they're able to talk, any sort of deliberate communication that they're giving you, um, you know, you're, you're paying attention to your own state, you're, um, you're following your own words. There are some people who use scripts or rough outlines, but for the most part, you just decide what you're going to do and then you go ahead and do it. And that's improvisational. Do you think you're a better improviser because of hypnosis or that you're better in hypnosis because you're an improviser? Yes. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) I was um, not... (laughs) Not to brag, but um, I was a very, very, very skilled subject immediately. And that's because I had 30 years of adjacent training. I was starting from, uh, you know, being being an actor, choosing state changes, choosing to be in the moment. And all of that stuff made me a very good hypnotic subject. Is there anything that you would like to expand upon? Did I did I skip over anything? Is there something that that you'd like to add? Mm, I don't know anyone else who is a serious improviser and a serious hypnotist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a lot of fantasies about how to combine the two i would i i'm intending although i have no idea of time frame of producing a workshop series that integrates hypnosis and and improv um there is no sort of gamified group participation opportunities to learn hypnosis and I would love to teach hypnosis as if it were an improv class. That's a that's a major fantasy that I've got going on at the moment. I would absolutely recommend that anyone who is interested in improv try hypnosis. And I would absolutely recommend that anyone who's interested in hypnosis try improv. I think probably the latter is more important. Improv improves you as a human being. You know, it's sort of ultra concentrated practice at just being a human being and relating to other people. And uh, so anyone who wants to do hypnosis would benefit from an improv class, just learning how to be present, learning how to pay attention to your partner, learning how to let loose, loosen up, um, let the words flow out of you be a conduit for your own creativity, all of that kind of thing that we recommend to everyone because of, of what improv can do to just any person. I would recommend hypnosis to improvisers, especially those who are feeling a little bit inhibited. 
If you can find an, uh, a state within yourself where that inhibition is less important, you know, because we're bypassing the conscious mind, then you can practice that and see what it feels like to feel uninhibited. And then when you go back to improv class, you go back to improv stage, you're going to be more open and you're going to be more ready to rock. Well said. Well said. Thank you. I am, uh, I am, I'm super happy. I got to do this. Cool. Hey. I definitely don't remember anything I just told you. So I'm curious <laughs> to listen to it when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike being on stage, I remember all of this. So, yeah. Thank you, Sid. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Rashid. Very much, Sid. Huh, wow. Sounds like Sid entered that self-described flow state. And I hope one of these days I can talk her into hypnotizing this guy. I had a great time talking with Sid and can't wait to hear those future plans unfold. If you want to hear more from Sid, check out the trio set episode, Cabin in the Woods, in which her intuitive emotional state leads to a chilling ending. Also, be sure to check out her features in other places in the podcast. Her links are in the show notes. Once again, I'm Rashid. I encourage you to check out more spotlights on introverted improvisers. In the meantime, as Camila says, as improvisers, we've totally got your back. Thank you.